Welcome into 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. I'm joined today by Boston City Councilor at Large, Anissa Asabi-George. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me on. Of course, it's always a pleasure. And you did announce that you are running for mayor of Boston, along with a few other candidates. Why did you decide to make that run? Oh, well, it's just, it's such an exciting field of candidates. And when I think about my candidacy, I think about the work that I've done on the city council over the last five and a half years. I've been able to lead on education, on economic development, supporting our families and individuals experiencing homelessness. And I, I really want to continue that work in the capacity of mayor. I'm also a former teacher here in Boston and, and really think that I can bring that experience of 13 years in the classroom. I'm a BPS grad myself. I'm a parent of for BPS students, for me, I've got what it takes to lead this city and I look forward to doing it. When you talk about the education here in Boston specifically, the fact that you have experience not only as a teacher, but a mother of students in the Boston public school system, why do you think that experience is so important for someone that is sitting in the mayoral office? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I first want to say as a student in Boston Public Schools, I'm a graduate of Boston Tech during my high school years is when I really found uh, my passion for politics and for government and municipal government in particular. So it really, it drew me into this work at a young age. But when I think about our schools and I think about the role of education and public education in particular here in Boston for every election, I think probably of all time, uh, mayors and candidates for mayor have talked about that they will fix the Boston public schools, that they will do the work uh, to serve students who are not getting their needs met, both academically and socially and uh, emotionally within our school system. But I think it's about time to put a teacher in charge of that and certainly leading on my experiences in the classroom to fix the pieces that are broken. We've got fantastic, amazing things happening across all of our schools, but still we are failing too many of our kids. I know it based on my experience in the classroom as a student, as a teacher and as a BPS parent. What do you think right now is the biggest need for Boston Public Schools? So there isn't one biggest need, um, but I would say the place to start is answering the question when we invest and we're investing, we spend about a billion and a half dollars on the Boston Public Schools. But when we're spending that money, that we are answering the question, how does this dollar impact our children? How does this dollar spent get into the classroom and provide academic supports, um, curriculum opportunities for curriculum development, student support services, art, uh, art instruction or music instruction, athletic programming? How does this $1 impact our students, our young people? We have to be able to answer that question when we're talking about our schools. But the list is long. It's about grade reconfigurations. It's about supporting students from pre-K all the way through graduation and certainly beyond. It's around special education services and making sure that we're doing inclusion right. It's about investing in athletic programming, make sure that our kids have opportunities to uh, be enriched with the arts and experience music and, and also get a rigorous academic experience and have the services available at the same time. When we focus on those things and we think very thoughtfully about our spending in our schools, we're gonna do right by all of our kids. And I look forward to doing that as mayor of the city. Another thing that you've been very passionate about is mental health, an issue that we will see a lot of results after this pandemic finally subsides. How do you think the city can help aid with something as important as mental health? 
Well, first, as it relates to our schools and our kids, I'm working today as a city councilor at large to make sure that we have full-time supports in all of our school buildings. As kids return to school, many of them this, this last school year or over the last couple of months in particular, but certainly, certainly as they work to return to school full-time in September, we will see the crisis of mental health play out across all of our schools. But we also know within our communities, whether it's our families, whether it's individuals experiencing homelessness, whether it's our older Bostonians who are experiencing and have experienced, especially this last year, tremendous isolation. Mental health and the crisis of mental health issues is here, it's with, it's with us today, and we need to work tirelessly, and I'm committed to that, uh, to respond to the mental health needs of all of our residents across the board. What do you think would be a first natural response to addressing mental health? Well, so it's having the response services available for our kids in our schools, but also making sure that we've got support services available in community-based organizations, that we're engaging with our community health centers to make sure that we have a culturally competent, linguistically um, necessary response to help those in our neighborhoods, those in our communities, our our again, our older Bostonians in particular, make sure that they have access to the services that they need, but also making sure that we're delivering it, investing in it, and then delivering it in ways that our community members will receive it because it's, you know, it's not 45 minutes on a couch once a week, which can be very expensive, but making sure that we are delivering it in a way that it's being received, that we're ending the stigma attached with me attached to mental health, but that we're also delivering it in a very holistic way that our residents, if they need help, can access it, but that we're also delivering it to them, um, again, very thoughtfully and very creatively. We have to be innovative with how we deliver mental health services. And we've seen over COVID, over this last year and a half, this period of COVID, that we can do things in innovative and creative ways through telemedicine, through different modes of communication, through Zoom and um, other virtual sort of realities to make sure that we remain connected to our residents across the board. And then when we think about some of our more vulnerable populations, those that are also dealing with homelessness, also dealing perhaps with a substance use disorder, also dealing with um, violence and trauma, that we are, again, delivering services in a, in a meaningful way, in a thoughtful way, in a culturally competent way, um, making sure that those who have lived experiences can be involved in delivering that care. It's really important that we are thinking about this holistically as a city, and there is a place in every place to deliver thoughtful mental health services. And we mentioned that you were a Boston Public School educated student, but you also did your undergrad as well as your master's at universities here in Massachusetts. Was that choice intentional? Well, right here in Boston, actually. Oh, yeah, Boston. Um, well, so, so, so I'm, you know, I went to Boston Tech for high school, which is now the O'Brien mm -hmm. um, School, and then eventually graduated from Boston University with my undergrad. But yeah. for me, Boston University was a great, obviously, it's a, a well-known, highly acclaimed uh, academic institution, and I'm very proud of my degree and my experience there. But I went there because my dad worked at BU. He was a security mm -hmm. guard, and you know, college is expensive, and it's a, an, an invaluable and everlasting gift that my dad uh, gave me and his time working there as a security guard in, our, in the dorms at BU. You know, he worked a lower wage job, but it came with great benefits and it benefited me. 
but I had to live at home when he was in the dorm. So it was a little, little bit of a toss up. And then I earned my master's in education from UMass Boston. And that again, being able to go to school, I I'm here, I'm here in Dorchester. I'm a Dorchester girl. So it was a, it was a convenient education, but also a high quality education and really prepared me uh, for my work as a classroom teacher. And, you know, it's, it's a great education. And as a teacher, especially because I taught high school at East Boston High School, uh, you know, it gave me an opportunity to encourage my students to explore the UMass system and, you know, not discount the opportunities that are at UMass Boston right here in Dorchester. And you, you're a Dorchester girl, as you mentioned. What was your upbringing you like? Hear it, you know it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't tell at all. <laughs> what was your upbringing like, though, in in Dorchester? Yeah, so I'm um, a daughter of immigrants. Both my parents immigrated to the United States. They have sort of two different stories. My mother is Polish. Um, my grandparents, her parents, my grandmother at the age of 14 was taken from her home in Poland to work in a labor camp in Germany. My grandfather was in the Polish army and became a prisoner of war. My grandparents met in a displaced persons camp. That's where my mother ended up. Uh, she was born there. They immigrated to the United States when she was very young, found a Polish family here in Dorchester that became their host family for many years and just sort of worked in community and eventually bought the home that I grew up in, that I call my childhood home. My dad is an Arab from Tunisia, immigrated to the United States in his early 20s. I convinced my mother that she should perhaps maybe explore a relationship and marriage with him. And they ended up being married almost 40 years before my dad passed away. But for me, growing up with a Polish Catholic mother and an Arab Muslim father here in the middle of Dorchester in, in uh, St. Margaret's Parish, certainly was created an interesting upbringing and interesting dynamic when we think about both the, the complement of sort of mm -hmm. clashing and conflicting cultures and religions. But for me, wouldn't change it for the world. It was, you know, I grew up with everything I needed and, and certainly grateful for the opportunities that my parents created for me and my brother and my sisters but also appreciate the sort of the, the unique experience I had uh, with uh, exploring and being exposed to and growing up with two such different cultures and communities in my life. How would you say your Polish-Tunisian <laughs> upbringing influenced your worldview? Um, well, we, you know, we spent lots of time arguing at the table, especially around international affairs and politics. Mm -hmm. And I think it was my dad sort of yelling at the TV around sort of the, the world around us and especially international politics that drew me more to local government and municipal government. I remember as a high school student actually saying to my dad, you know, I think I want to get involved in government. I think I want to run for office someday here in Boston. And for me, it's been about local politics, local government, local service. And he said to me, I, I was about 15, 16 years old. He said to me, an Arab girl with an Arab name in this city will win nothing. And, you know, for me, it, you know, my dad wanted me to always reach for the stars, always, always be ambitious, aim high, dream big, work hard. But for him and his experience, especially I think as a, a young Arab Muslim man in the city had a different experience. And he had one that I think he worried about his kids. And, and for me, he said, well, just go into law. And eventually I went into education, which he was over the moon. For my parents, education was center to everything they did. It was the one very thing 
that they had a thousand percent in common. It was about education. It's what they worked so hard to bring to me and again, my brother and my sisters. So he was over the, he was over the moon when I decided to uh, go into teaching and, and teach here in Boston. But politics and government, municipal government, I see and it seen since, since a very young age how important it was uh, to the lives of everyday people, whether you were a teacher, whether you owned your own business, whether you were a, a, a senior citizen, you know, trying to get from point A to point B, that local government, municipal government plays such a critical role. And, you know, I became a little bit of a community activist, engaged in my neighborhood, certainly engaged in the community of East Boston as a teacher there, and just saw a real need for someone with my experiences to be more involved in government. And so in 2013, I jumped into that race. My dad, unfortunately, had already passed at that point. So he never got to see me sort of fulfill this, uh, probably this inside promise I made to him, um, as he, I think, in many ways challenged me. But also, yeah, that's my 15-year-old self. But as an adult, I think about my experiences as a business owner, as a parent, as a school teacher, as a community member, how important those experiences are to, to government and to, to leadership. You are a mother of four, one set of triplets at that. <laughs> so how does his words influence the way that you raise them and motivate them to succeed? Yeah, so I've got a 16-year-old, um, and then I've got triplet 15-year-olds. The the world is always interesting, and they're all boys, so sometimes it's a little stinky, and it's always a little chaotic, but it is it really is wonderful. And I think, you know, about my parents and the way that they raised us, it's about neighborhood, it's about community, it's about building um, for a better future, it's about creating that, you know, we often talk about the American dream, especially since, you know, as a first generation American, the daughter of immigrants, we always talk about this sort of this idea of, of capturing the American dream. But, you know, my parents gave me these opportunities and I continue to try to give them to my kids every day, especially around education, especially around commitment to uh, neighborhood and community and to, you know, friends and family. I came from a small family. There were four of us, my mother, only child, my dad, the only one here. So very small, small family. So for me, community, your neighbors, those that live in your um, in your neighborhood, when I think about my business, the community I built around my business, that to me, I try to share that with my children. You have to create those networks for yourself. You have to create those social circles for yourself. And you have to have a certain level of commitment to, to those people that are around you because that's that's your network. That's that's what what you need to be invested in every single day. And you mentioned, and you being, mentioned a small, being a small business, business owner. owner. How has, How that, has that, that affected you, especially during this last year when a lot of small businesses have been affected by yeah, this pandemic? No, it's a great it's a it's a great question. And this last year and a half, no doubt has been incredibly difficult. I own the Stitch House, which is a knitting and sewing shop. We closed for many months. Um, we stopped holding our classes, which as from a business model, were our bread and butter. Um, but also from our community building um, efforts, it was how we brought people together around the, the knitting table. We call our knitting circles, you know, stitch and bitch circles, our sewing circles. You know, it's not just about creating or learning um, a new skill or making something beautiful. It's also about being with other people. It's also about that human connection. It's also about sharing space 
with each other. Um, so it's been it's been a really long and difficult year. My staff, my employees at my shop, my customers are sort of Stitch House family. We've you know we've all felt a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of separation from each other. And for my employees, we were closed, and and that created a lot of difficulty for all of us. You seem to have many jobs at this point, but when you aren't working, how do you decompress? What are your mental health stability methods? No, that's, I, mean, I guess it's a great question. I, I, um, I find some um, uh, productivity for me in, in staying busy. That's good because when I'm resting, okay. <laughs> I'm worried about what I might be missing. But for me, it's I do knit and I do sew. I haven't, I haven't sewed a great deal recently. But knitting is always my go-to. I do say on the campaign trail to my team, I say, if you find me sewing, I'm really working through something. So let me be for a little bit. But I do really enjoy knitting. But again, I'm a mother of four teenage kids who are pretty active. I find myself, you know, right now it's baseball season. So I find myself at the ball field as often as I can get there, especially if they're local, if they're local games. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful time in the city. It's a really bright future ahead. And so, you know, I want to work every day and every moment, every moment that I can for those that are, you know, need a little bit of assistance and uh, help accessing that bright future and that opportunity. And, and I take that charge and that responsibility very seriously. Since you are a baseball mom, what is the I'm last a sporting a hockey mother and a hockey mom? Okay, and a football mother. We're just in baseball season. Well, that's perfect because you live in a city like Boston, mm -hmm. where they take pride in the sports yeah. teams here. So, when is the last time you went to a Boston sporting event, and what event was it? Oh, the last time I've gone to a oh, um, <laughs> I know it probably was. I tell you, I tell you, like if I'm doing game time, it's with my kids. Um, I can't tell you the last time I've been to like an official uh, sporting event. It probably was. Um, uh, it wasn't last year. That's yeah, exactly. No one anywhere. Oh, last goodness, year. Awful. I can't. I can't even tell you. I think a couple, maybe in the last, maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago, we did go to one of the um, the hockey East games that was played okay. out. Here. You know, as a hockey family, we do also sometimes watch hockey. But yes. I was at the ball field. Two days ago for one of the boys had a baseball game. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. Those are the teams I'm cheering for. Right. <laughs> I'm a Boston girl. Go Sox, go Bruins, go Pats, go Celts, but go New England Revolution. But also, you know, it's it's about my kids. It's about Dorchester Little League. It's about their school sports. Um, that's For me, that's most important. That was the right answer. I didn't even realize it until after you answered it. So. Kudos on that one. <laughs> I've got a couple of hours to spare. You know, I might, you know, I, I actually enjoy watching um, any of the games on TV if I can get my, whether it's my friends over or some family over, that's good stuff too. Very valid. And finally, the question that you will hear so often, why should the people of Boston vote for you as mayor? No, it's such a great question. It is an important one, not for me to answer, although I will answer it, but I want the I want the voters to believe that I am the best candidate because of my 13 years in 
in the classroom, my work building a business and, and really dealing with the struggles that this last year and a half from have brought us, my experience, my um, legislative accomplishments on the Boston City Council, and my engagement in every community across the city of Boston. I am a Dorchester girl, as we've talked, but I'm an at-large city councilor and very proud to represent every re resident here in the city of Boston. And I'm proud of my reputation of being ever-present and showing up um, in, in sort of the happy celebratory times, but also for the hard work. I'm proud of that reputation and I look forward to continuing it as mayor of this great city. Anissa Asabi, George, thank you for joining 10 Questions with NBC 10 Boston. Thank you so much, I appreciate this.